and the guy at the end. So we're going to go ahead and start. I've got, we are live on Clubhouse and we are recording on Zoom. So welcome to the Rockstar Book Club, March 2021. And today's book is The Everything Store by Jeff Bezos. No, it's not by Jeff. It's by Brad Stone, but it's about Jeff Bezos and the age of Amazon. And uh, we were, I was just talking to Barry and to Greg and Greg's read the book. Barry hasn't had a chance. Um, I, I, my, one of my biggest takeaways in reading the book is that I wish I would have read it when it first came out because, so I'm going to be more thoughtful about that. If there's a book on businesses that, that I think are going to impact my business, which is retail leasing and investment, I need to be more current with it because I think, I don't know if I would have done anything differently, but I don't know, Greg, what you thought. When did you read the book, Greg? Um, last month. Right. So um, do, you, do you wish you would have read it uh, five years ago? Yes. It would have been such a different perspective. You know, it's like, oh, well, we can kind of, you can almost predict where well, they're to where he's going to go at 2015. It's just, so it's like looking for this crystal ball five years ago. And well, and listen, the, the uh, and we'll come back, we'll go back, but at the end of the book, the guy says, will Amazon solve the last mile problem? Yes. Will Amazon open grocery stores? Yes. Will Amazon have their own delivery trucks? Yes. Will Jeff Bezos master grocery and apparel? Yeah, I mean, this guy predicted, and the only thing he predicted that has not come true or that hasn't happened yet is there was a prediction that they were going to have their own phones. They tried that a while back. I thought they've tried that before. And it well, that didn't work. But everything else, the delivery trucks, last mile distribution, grocery stores, and apparel... And that guy, that, that's how he ended the book, was predictions. Is, this is on the Amazon plan. And, and Brad Stone said, I believe that Jeff will accomplish all of these. And he has. So um, I think it would be great to read a book like that when it first comes out. And then maybe five years later, like when we did read it. But I do think I would have had a different perspective this whole time, like the day, I'll never forget it. I was in my bank drive through line the day that they said on the radio on Sirius, Sirius FM or whatever, that, that Amazon had just bought Whole Foods. And I, I was shocked. I immediately grabbed my phone and um, went to Twitter to see if it was true. I would not have been shocked had I read the book in 2000. I'm getting mine. Right. My headphones. So that that so 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 starting from the end, then looking back on the book. But I, uh, Ely, hi Ely, hi Josie. So if anyone does want to talk about if they've read the book, their takeaways from the book, for you guys that are new to the book club, so those of you that are joining on Clubhouse, we do we've done this now. I don't know, Greg, how many years have we done this? Uh, are we in year four? I think we're in the fourth year and, and I had done it in 09 and 10 also. So, um, so was what that, we do. 
What? Sorry. Go ahead, Barry. I just said, was this an approved biography? I don't know if I caught a biography. Was it approved by him or was he part of it? Yes, he was. So, so Brad interviewed Jeff back in a couple times. I mean, they've had conversations throughout the, 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 the development of this book. So, I mean, this book is probably a 10-year research project once it all said and done. Um, you know, so I, I, is it an, it's not really an autobiography. It's kind of the, I don't know what you call it, um, but everybody has their Jeff Bezos Amazon book. There's a ton of Amazon books out there. So this is just obviously one different perspective. So I'd be real curious to get others others take on on the the construction of the company. Yeah, it it, it was fascinating. The it was fast. It's fascinating how brilliant he was. He was obsessed with competition, even though he says he's not obsessed with competition. He's obsessed with competition, right, Greg? Didn't you get that? Yeah, I, I think he's obsessed with it. He's obsessed with competing with himself. He's obsessed with competing with his own personnel. I mean, it, it is, he's, I mean, if you wouldn't have, I think if you would have met the guy without knowing anything about him, I think you'd think he was crazy. You know, I have a friend right now interviewing for a job at Amazon. And this person told me yesterday that, um, this person said, did you know that you don't get paid a lot? You get a crap load of stock, but you don't get it until you're there four years. Right. And it's been, and that has been the, that's been the policy since day one. So you're an enslaved, basically an enslaved servant. And then in four years, you're a millionaire. Is it, does he have an inferiority complex, do you think? Or is it more just drive? To prove, now by saying inferiority complex, I, I mean, but to, to prove everybody wrong who doubted him, like Michael Jordan, who his Hall of Fame still, he brought his high school coach to point him out that yeah, F you, basically. I have my opinion. Greg, what's your opinion? I didn't, I didn't, at least, I didn't get that. I think he is just so driven yeah. by we'll call it disrupting the status quo. Like he just wants to be different. And, you know, he proves that kind of over and over again. Um, you know, they talk about just, just building the construction of Amazon. There really was no map per se. I mean, they were building, they were growing so fast, so quickly that they didn't have a time to be strategic. They just did it. It was just, yeah. we're going to do it. There's no, there, there's no roadmap here. And and they talk about in the book, like people that have been there from Amazon in the beginning, they, you know, for the first five years, they don't even remember what happened. Mm. Like, it's just a blur. Wow. And because they were working awesome. and they were working 20 hour days. It, it, I think it's all drive. I don't think it's insecurity whatsoever. One of the, one of the quotes he, he said, it says, it is far better to cannibalize yourself than have someone else do it. And this is the quote that I don't, believe in the book that I wrote down because absolutely I got the opposite of this. He says, most companies are not those things. They are focused on the competitor rather than the customer, meaning we are focused number one on the customer. I do believe he's focused on the customer, but equally so he is focused on anybody that tries to come into any 
area of his business, he wants to chew them up and spit them out. There is no room for a competitor. And he will do things that border on not nice things to get rid of the competition, right? And if he, like Zappos, he went after Zappos hard. He, he, he said, why aren't we selling shoes like this? Why aren't we doing that? And he would go and, and it would frustrate him to no end when they wouldn't capitulate to his uh, you know, purchase offer. He would be, he'd get very frustrated and he would yell at his guys, you know, go make this deal happen and don't stop until you do. And then the question is, is did he overpay for some of these companies? He didn't overpay for Zappos, you know, so. Foods for free. What? Effect, he got Whole Foods for free, effectively. I mean, that's the amazing thing is a lot of these companies, and they buy, I mean, the Whole Foods stock went up that day enough that paid for the, paid for the purchase, or the Amazon stock, rather, went up that day. And, you know, and the whole, you know, remember that most of the book, like what Greg said, is early days stuff. So you're, you're learning about how did the Kindle come about, you know, my sister who just joined, you know, she, I, I still like to read books like real books. And she's been, she's had the Kindle, she's had the fire, what the, I think Amazon fire, you know, but his fight with Barnes and Noble, look, there's Greg. The I mean, Greg. they, um, they, uh, yeah, I'm the, I'm the idiot who takes on the airplane, you know, eight hardcover books. <laughs> <laughs> in oh, my like heavy that. backpack. Sure. I know I'm, I'm silly, but, um, but you know, I'm a bookaholic. So bookaholic. Right. Well, so uh, yeah. So, but his, um, that fight between him and Barnes and Noble and the publishers and the authors, I, you know, but he was right. He was right every time. And, and yeah. to think that that started with Barnes and Noble drive, flying to, flying to, um, Seattle to intimidate him saying, Oh yeah, you know what? We're going to, we're you're just like, you know, we're going to start a website and we're going to take you out. Um, and they talked about a partnership and they realized it was never going to happen. But to, for the fact that Barnes and Noble tried to intimidate them back in the early nineties is hysterical. That just blows me away. How embarrassing. I do remember a day though. I can still picture you know, Beth, and you probably somewhere back in like the early 90s when they were just Amazon was this cute little they sell books. I mean, that's that's what they did. I mean, are they gonna make it that they sell books online? Um, I mean that was Amazon for for several years. Well, and before Amazon, it was called Cadaver. I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's that's yeah. The, that is the first name of Amazon is called Cadaver. Yeah, I I um and then the whole thing with Prime, how that came up. So, do you remember that, Greg? How how Prime came up? Faintly, yeah. I'm it trying was to... a guy. So, oh, they... that's right. It was some some random. It was an idea of like so some middle management guy. You're right. A, they were in a meeting and they were trying to figure out. It was will people pay more? It was the whole thing about free shipping. And how do we do one day shipping? How do we do two day shipping? Will people pay more to get it faster? And then this guy says, what if we charge? And if we charge all the people that will pay extra will get it the one day or the two day, right? And it was just a random idea at a meeting and, and they said, oh yeah, let's try it. And now, I, you know, it's, 
it's hugely it's it, it adds to the bottom line of the company oh. in, in probably one of the most significant ways ever. Well, and it, it, it you can you can make correlate that Amazon Prime is probably changed retail inevitably. I mean, it's probably the biggest game changer in retail. I mean, in the last twenty years, it's it's been made. It's just such an impact because everybody's now trying to do it. Yeah, Walmart Plus, and you got everybody else. You said, go ahead. I was just said, does he get into, because I would say the biggest things to me, Amazon, their biggest successes are Prime, you mentioned, and then AWS, Amazon. Good. Does he get into that? Because to me, that's that's what stopped. That's I think if not for AWS, I don't know that Amazon exists today. And did that was that a component of it? Was it survive? I'm kind of curious what he discussed about that. Do you remember, Greg, the details on that? Yeah, I mean, not... All it was another guy. It wasn't his idea either, AWS. Wow. It was another employee who said, who went to him and said, I think we can provide online cloud systems for companies. Right. And right. I mean, and then, and then it, it and then everyone loved the idea. He always had a group of like think tank people around him, but they came and went. Some people left, some people came back. He was an impossible guy to work for. Impossible. Yeah. It's kind of like Steve Jobs has the same, or had the same reputation, obviously. He, he, comp he compares Bezos to Jobs. Yeah. He says, um, Bezos is like a chess master playing countless games simultaneously with the boards organized in such a way that he can efficiently tend to each match oh. as far as his multitasking with all of the different parts of, um, of the company. He said, um, uh, Steve Jobs was known for the clarity of his insights about what customers wanted, but he was also known for his volatility with coworkers. Apple's founder reportedly fired employees in the elevator and screamed at underperforming executives. Perhaps there's something endemic in the fast-paced technology business that causes this common behavior because such intensity is not exactly rare among, among its CEOs. So they constantly compare him to Steve Jobs. What about Musk? Or was Musk not big enough yet? Not, mention, not mentioned in the book at all, right? Yeah, Probably no. wasn't big enough yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, it was fascinating. Here's, the, here's something about Prime. Prime would eventually justify its existence. The service turned customers into Amazon addicts who gorged on the almost instant gratification of having purchases reliably appear two days after they ordered them. Signing up for Amazon Prime, Jason Kalar said at the time, was like going from dial-up to broadband internet connection. Right? So that, so true. So true. He says, Bezos kept pushing for more. He asked Blake to exact better terms from the smallest publishers. This is this was back in the beginning, who would go out of business if it weren't for the steady sales of their back catalogs on Amazon. Within the books group, the resulting program was dubbed the Gazelle Project because Bezos suggested to Blake in a meeting that Amazon should approach these small publishers the same way a cheetah would pursue a sickly gazelle. Like that, that's, 
he, I'm telling, he just wanted to put his people out of business. He said, as part of the Gazelle project, Blake's group categorized publishers in terms of their dependency on Amazon and then opened negotiations with the most vulnerable companies. Three book buyers at the time recall this effort. Blake herself said that Bezos meant the cheetah and gazelle analogy as a joke, but it was carried too far. Yet the program clearly represented something real, an emerging real politic approach toward book publishers, an attitude whose ruthlessness startled even some Amazon employees. Ruthless, ruthlessness startled Amazon employees. Soon after the Gazelle project began, Amazon's lawyers heard about the name and insisted it be changed to the less incendiary Small Publisher Negotiation Program. You know, he uh, near the end of the book, they, they start talking a lot about um, marketplace or, and, and uh, small retailers selling on Amazon and how there's this shadow site that the retailers can't find out who's behind the shadow site where they undercut the pricing of the retailers. And they give an example of this German knife company and the German knife, these knives are $159 and they have, and when these small retailers sign up for Amazon, they, they sign something called the minimum price, something, something that Amazon agrees, they'll never go under the minimum price because these retailers are selling and other with other distributors besides Amazon, and they've got to keep the prices the same. Well, um, it it never was told in the book, but it's insinuated in the book that Amazon created this shadow site, right, Greg? Yeah. That Amazon was behind undercutting the knives. That's just terrible. And the and the and the and they and they say most retailers leave. Amazon, they, they stay in it, they build up a huge following and within three or four years, they drop Amazon and they always come back. Mm. It's very sad. I was very, it was saddened when I was listening to that part of it. Because of your love for the small, for the small retailers. Yeah, I mean, he, he is, he wants to take all their business. He, he's, he's not making any bones about it. Um, but what did you think about, what did you think about the, uh, Beth, the Milleravi story? Remind me. God, the book was, so, I've been listening to this book for three weeks. Like I can't even remember everything. So, um, the analyst that went out and was like all against Amazon, mm. like ripping them apart and just, and, and 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 so Bezos, so Bezos gives this. He, Bezos basically turns this poor young analyst, Wall Street analyst, into like this huge villain mm -hmm. against the company, against like internet retail in general, and like tries to end this guy's career. Yeah. Yeah. How how did that end up? In the end, they kind of shook hands, right, and moved and moved on. Um, no, I don't think they actually ever met. I think they've, maybe I'm wrong. But uh, he, he, uh, he, that guy, he kept saying, they're not making money. They're not making money. The stock is, you know, it's, it's uh phantom. Like don't right. write, he, th this was an analyst on wall street go saying, 
This is not a company that's making money, but you know. Which they didn't for years, many, many years. Again, that gets back to AWS. I mean, Amazon retail was not profitable for until pretty recently. They just yeah. plow everything back in. I mean, they, they self, they reinvest you know, tremendous amounts of money. Yeah. Hey, Sean. Hey. How are you? Good. How you been? I'm doing great. Here's a, here's another quote. We believe that the fundamental measure of our success will be the shareholder value we create over the long term. This value will be a direct result of our ability to extend and solidify our current market leadership position. The stronger our market leadership, the more powerful our economic model. Market leadership can, can translate directly to higher revenue, higher profitability, greater capital velocity, and correspondingly stronger returns on invested capital. Our decisions have consistently reflected this focus. We first measure ourselves in terms of the metrics most indicative of our market leadership, customer and revenue growth, the degree to which our customers continue to purchase from us on a repeat basis, and the strength of our brand. We have invested and will continue to invest aggressively to expand and leverage our customer base, brand, and infrastructure as we move to establish an enduring franchise. Basically, I'm going to kill all my competitors and get recurring income from my customers, which he has done successfully in both, right? Crazy, it's crazy, crazy. Staggering. What do you think, his, and I don't know if it gets into that, what do you think his opinion or thoughts are of Walmart, Target? I mean, is his goal, you think to put, I, I, is, is he arrogant enough to think he could put those out of business or is it more just beat, the, you know, beat them in the competition? He, they met with Walmart. Right, Greg? He's met with Walmart. He's met with Target. He's met with Costco. So he's met with everybody. To met to, to discuss what? Well, so with Costco, it was really a philosophical conversation. So it was like, this is Costco's business model. How can I apply what Costco is doing to their customers on a brick and mortar level? How can I apply that same philosophy on the digital landscape? And, uh, and, the, and the Costco, if, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't the Costco membership, didn't that play into Amazon oh, Prime's into idea? Prime. Yes. Yeah. And that's right. Costco, a huge percentage of their revenue is off the, the membership fees. They sell everything at a pretty, very, very thin margin. It's the membership. Yeah. Walmart, didn't Walmart use Amazon's online early on before Walmart, yeah. right? Yeah. They were partners, Barry. Well, okay. I didn't remember that. Walmart, yeah. Toys R Us. I mean, yeah. every retailer was using, every retailer was using Amazon in the beginning. On the back end. Platform. Yeah. Walmart, Walmart, that's another example of they used them. They tried to do it on their own. They went back to them. And then they, I, and then finally, three years ago, Walmart said, we got to spend big and get the hell out of Amazon. Because they had all the data. That's the key of Amazon's success is the data for, of all of us, right? That's why he got, that's, that's why I think we in retail believe that was the whole Whole Foods acquisition was how do we get those rich people's data, right? Yeah. And the distribution locations. Right. And then Instacart's doing the exact same thing. They're doing the exact same thing that 
Amazon was doing in the beginning. They're taking all this rest, this grocery revenue and they're just all the grocery data and they're going to basically open up their own stores. It's coming. Amazon, you mean grocery? No, Instacart. <laughs> You're going to be Instacart. Oh, Instacart. Okay, gotcha. Well, and you know, Target bought shipped, right? Yeah. So they it's, gave up. Yeah. It's fat. Again, I, I'm going to repeat this for the new people that came on to Clubhouse and to um, Zoom. Um, my biggest regret is I didn't read this book five years earlier. It, that's we should we in retail should be reading books that are current about our industry when they come out because I think I, I think it would have impacted my business had I had this knowledge in my head five years ago. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. So I read I don't know if you're familiar with Steve Dennis. He used to work with Neiman's and Sears and that kind of thing. So he wrote a book and it came out. It's called Remarkable Retailing. Retail. It came out in April of last year. It's, I mean, you think about how quick our, our environment has changed. That he's, he's had to make it, he's basically had to rewrite the book 12 months ago from what, he, what was released 12 months ago. He has a completely different version now because everything's so much has changed in the last 12 months. Hmm. But that, I, so it's a difference between an observer, he's an observer, right? And a consultant, right? Versus a company. Right. Yeah. That guy's giving an opinion on retail. This this book was describing how they were doing retail. Correct. So, Correct. And no company impacts retail more than Amazon, in my opinion. Well, like, you know, I read the Lulu, we, you know, we read the Lululemon book a few months ago, right? I feel the same way. Um, the whole time I was reading the Lululemon book, I was thinking, I wish I would have read this when it came out. I'm behind the times, I, you know, because now not as not the same as Amazon because Amazon's impacting our business so much more. But from now on, when a new retail book comes out, I'm going to read it right away. Yeah, you almost have to. What? You almost have to. You have to, to I, you know, because I think we will get ideas and we will learn what the authors help have learned about the companies and how the companies are thinking about retail today, certainly books post pandemic now are going to be very interesting to be reading. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out the, it's called that will never work. It's the birth of Netflix. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's very similar. Like the correlations between how Netflix was built in the mid, in the, in the early nineties, in the late nineties, to Amazon, they're very similar. Like it's a very haphazard construction to to their to their to their genesis, and it's um, very similar in, in that regard. You know, they were they were you know they 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 were not the darlings. They had all the big boys coming in and telling them how bad they were, and we're going to take you over and all that kind of stuff. And um, but again that I should have read the book when it came out because it was, it, it was dated and it's not even that old. I think it came out like 18 and Netflix is like completely different. Well, and at the end of this book, because I just finished it, literally I had 25 minutes left to listen this morning on my walk. Um, Bezos walks in with the red envelope and throws it on the desk and he goes, what is this? And why aren't yep. we doing this? Right. He goes, 
you know, and, and one of his employees is like, oh, this, this is nothing. The, the DVDs, they're going to be out of business, right? That's what one of his employees said. And, and he goes, no, they're, in, they're, they're going into content. Bezos said, I see them producing content. Yeah, and, and I mean, the part of this is where like this becomes dated is because, you know, 2015 to now, I mean, Amazon has got into content. They have they've exploded into oh so many different facets. I mean, this is really just getting to. This is all pre pre content, pre delivery, you know, grocery, all this stuff. And it's so much has changed since then. And this is basically just building the bookstore element of it. And I mean, it's fascinating, but he needs to create another update <laughs> from like sixteen to today. Yeah, he, look, he, brilliant man, nothing in the book led you to believe that it was anything other than him. Right. One guy, right? There was no, he, he, there was no proof that some rock star C-suite partner, they were, they were the minions that got it done and that fought with him, but it, it's all him. And he went from books to AWS, to now the, he did get some ideas. The Prime thing was definitely an idea. AWS was an idea, but he took these ideas and ran with them. And then, you know, in the middle of the book, they described the whole blue, what's it, blue horizon, blue? Oh, the rocket company? Yeah. Yeah, blue, blue horizon? Blue something. And that he's got this secret, top secret warehouse with a little sign above the door. And that it that he kept that under wraps for three or four years before a reporter, and I think it was that analyst. No, it was a reporter who found out about it, and then went and took a picture of it and kind of blew it. Then then it got exposed. Yeah, I, I got to jump. I got a twelve o'clock conference call. I, I really this really really fascinating. So I'm going to listen to the rest of it recording. But thank, thank you, Barry. Thanks. Bye. See you later, Barry. Bye, Greg. See ya. Great seeing you. Uh. But yeah, so so fascinating that one guy can have so much intelligence and drive and not piss off his employees so much that it doesn't impact the company and it keeps the company going, right? And now now he's stepping down as CEO. What you know, it'll be very interesting to see what happens from this point forward. Yeah, I mean, all of these CEOs get to a point where they're like, I'm. I don't want to, I want to, there are certain aspects of this company that I want to take over, but I can't do it as, as from the top. And, you know, that's kind of how Steve Jobs ended his career at Apple. I mean, he was CEO, but I mean, he really focused his efforts on building the iPad before he passed away. Like that was his last legacy. And, you know, what's, Je what's Bezos's legacy going to be going forward? I mean, is he going to spend more time on the rocket company? Is he going to spend more time you know, in the grocery world, which is what I think he really wants to do. Like that just sounds to be what his next, his, his real focus he wants to be. Um, but he does, the, the infatuation with the customer service, I think is, is important. Um, you know, he comes to, he had some of these meetings where he, he, he you know, he'll call the customer service line as a, and nobody knows who he is and he's calling it, he has a customer complaint and no one's answering the phone for minutes on end. And so it just, it just explodes from there. Um, I, I think that is a lesson that a lot of these retailers, the legacy retailers 
need to take. Or it, landlords, as you said, as we got on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's just, you know, if, if someone's asking for something from you, take the phone Answer call. the phone. Take the phone call. It's not going to hurt you. Okay, you know? so, so let's let's digress for a second since yeah. the majority of my, of the average of 400 people who download this recording in the months to come, Greg Parsons, the new real estate manager for Spirit Halloween. Please share your first week or two on the job and what you have learned about landlord landlords and landlord leasing agents. Um, I have learned that many landlords, and I hope this was never me, are extremely lazy. They don't pick up the phone. They don't respond to emails. They don't respond to texts. They don't respond to anything. And I don't know why. I mean, I have no clue. I have no idea. And it can't be the fact that I'm, you don't have any idea that I'm, mostly landlords have no idea who I am. So they're not calling that I think I'm a temporary operator. They, they think you're a vape store. Uh, I, I will tell you that um, I, in the 16 years that I've been training, it's the number one complaint from retailers. They stop me at ICSEs and they say, will you please tell your leasing agents to follow up? I mean, they, it, they don't call back. It's that they don't even call back. I mean, they're, I, and I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. Um, I don't know if they're looking for their the next ticket. Like they're looking just for that big ticket. And then, you know, we'll wait as long as we can. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I was, um, but I'm standing in front of people's stores with the sign on the door, making a phone call. Phone just rings, 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 rings. Text, nothing. Like, Okay, and you'll keep following up and I'll have to pursue it because it's a location that I need to have. So I'm gonna do whatever I have to do to make it happen. Um, and if I throw people under the bus, I guess I throw people under the bus, who knows, but I need my spot. I was in, I was in um, Boise, Idaho last March and I saw a bank pad on the corner, main and main corner intersection. I wanted to buy, buy it, it was an empty bank had a leasing sign on it with a national brokerage firm. And I called, I was there, I was in Boise two weeks. I called this guy's number four times. I finally called Miami and took a friend of mine at the brokerage firm and said, can you please help me? Your guy, maybe he's on vacation. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. But I've called the office and the cell phone. I've left four messages. I have emailed can you get someone in the Boise office to call me back? I'm only here for two weeks and I'm very interested in this site. Wow. Terrible. Did, did anybody ever call you? So I think I want it, all I can do in defense of the leasing folks is if they have 50 shopping centers to lease, it's impossible for them to call back everyone that calls them, you know, within 24 hours because mm -hmm. they, but that's why I, I hate that too. And I talked to the landlords about that. But anyway, we digress. But hopefully that will get better, Greg. You, well, should, do, and, you should do a LinkedIn post on it. I should. And, and, and a lot of it, these are brokers. These are brokers that are like, that, that thrive on, that live or die by commissions. I mean, I, I guess it's not important. I don't know. It blew me away. It blows me away. It absolutely blows me away. You should just- have to do it. I was just right. thinking like maybe they're not making a priority to actually get back, you know, in their day. I don't know. It's just seemed maybe, maybe they're distracted. They've got too much going on, but you'd think that's 
the most important, right? The most important thing is. Someone's calling you for your business. See, Jeff yeah. Bezos would fire all those people. Yeah, exactly. Let's take the, yeah, he, he would, uh, we, we can we can correlate this back with the conversation, but yes, Jeff Bezos would, would pretty much string these people up and throw them out the door very quickly um, and maybe burn their car in the parking lot. <laughs> Someone, someone told Jeff, Jeff, one day you'll understand that it's harder to be kind than clever. It's harder to be kind than clever. He said, Bezos insisted the company needed to master anything that touched the hallowed customer experience. And he resisted any efforts to project profitability. Absolutely. He did not project profitability. The customers came over profitability for many, many, many years. Um, for the first time, Amazon was spoken in the same breath as Google and Apple, not an, as an afterthought, but as an equal. It had blasted off into high orbit. This is what they said. he said about the internet. Um, maximizing the internet's ability to provide a superior selection of products as compared to those available at traditional retailer stores. This will blow the retail market off. So, yeah. So, Sean, did you read the book? No, you guys are getting me pumped, though. I got to read it because, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I just saw like a quick summary online. It's just been one of those crazy times, but I got to read it because it's just already whetting my appetite. Um, the thing that I got from it, just from thinking about my own experience with Amazon, is just how he's made it so frictionless for me to order things and get and get it right away so that really I have that my uh, in my uh, desire to or my impulse, you say, to get something, I can get it immediately. So that's kind of changed my whole uh, way I buy products. And so I think that's been a big impact. So, but I look at learning a lot more. It seems like he's in everything right now and it's just, he's growing and growing. You know, and what's so fascinating also is how Amazon has changed downtown major city office buildings where they've actually had to create an Amazon room for the boxes. Yeah. You know, the doorman or if you don't have a doorman, you know, my, my friends who have kids that live in New York say, did you know that the office, the, the apartment buildings in major cities have to create Amazon rooms for the boxes? Because unlike my house, they pile up outside my door until I yell at the kids to bring them in, um, you know. And then how about when they add or added the whole automatic subscription thing? I, my sister does that for me. I called her the other day. We have paper towels for the next year. Let's stop ordering the paper on the automatic monthly subscription thing. And for me, what's made it really easy is the is the pickup locations at 7-Eleven, especially the 7-Eleven near me. I use that all the time because I don't want to worry about someone picking up my package. There you go. So you so you have yours sent to a third party site and you go there to pick them up so that they're not sitting outside your door and then might get stolen, right? Correct. Interesting. And then, you know, they have pickup. I've seen pickup locations in shopping malls. I've seen pickup locations in hotel lobbies. Office buildings too. Yeah. yeah office, buildings. office buildings. 
this was this was kind of near the end of the book, and um, we'll we'll start to wrap up. And I'm I'm happy to hear anyone else's comments about this book. But I thought that this was very interesting. This is, and this is more. So this is his edict, and it's as you, as we've said everything that he's kind of you know ruthless, right? This is what he said he wants his edict to be at the company. Rudeness is not cool. Defeating tiny guys is not cool. Close following is not cool. Young is cool. Risk-taking is cool. Winning is cool. Polite is cool. Defeating bigger, unsympathetic guys is cool. Inventing is cool. Explorers are cool. Conquerors are not cool. Obsessing over competitors is not cool. Empowering others is cool. Capturing all the value only for the company is not cool. Leadership is cool. Conviction is cool. Straightforwardness is cool. Pandering to the crowd is not cool. Hypocrisy is not cool. Authenticity is cool. Thinking big is cool. The unexpected is cool. Missionaries are cool and mercenaries are not cool. Interesting. That is fascinating because some of those things that he said is not cool, he absolutely did those those have, there are absolute examples in the book where he has done those. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It says it's hypocrisy is not cool. I'm like, um, really? Right. So maybe this is his new 20 years into it motto, right? Maybe yeah. he's learned from his mistakes. I don't know. But all right. Anyone, we like to always end around 1215. So we're getting to that time. What anybody else have? Any thoughts before we close out? I'm going to look up and see. I, I think I know our next book, but I'm just going to check it out while I'm here. Greg, any, any last words? I just, I, I think it's interesting to see the architecture of, of this, of Amazon and, and how all, every bit, every part of, of, of the construction of the company has launched other elements across just industry in general. You know, the, the, when they come up with the distribution center versus the, you know, they don't call it, it's not a warehouse, it's a, it's a fulfillment center. You know, they coined that term. And, you know, how they were, and I can't remember if the guy was from Walmart or wherever it was that he hired that basically turned up, you know, blew up their entire, um, distribution of, uh, you know, their, their delivery aspect of it. I can't remember if that was, but anyway. I think it, Walmart. I think it was Walmart. And, and so he, he, you know, taking them and teaching them about fulfillment and modernizing and, and modernizing their, the way they distribute products to the customer. I, I just, what they've been able to build and how it's translated, transcended across the industry, I think is just fascinating. Yeah. Um, Okay, the next book club, which is scheduled for April 15th, 
and I have an all day retreat that day. So with the, uh, rem the winners of the canvassing club, club yeah. challenge, but we'll see how we work around that um, is the 5 a.m. club. Ha Greg, have you read that yet? I'm, I'm halfway through it. It's excellent. I have not. I've not read it. I'll, I'm, it's, I'm, I'll finish it. I'll get started after I finish the book I'm reading now. So what book are you reading now? It's called Cuyahoga. So it's really, it's it essentially, it's the, um, oh, I'm trying to remember the, oh, the, the John Henry story. It's kind of a John Henry type story of building, um, of building of Cleveland, which is my hometown. So it's, it's a, it's a tall tale based on that. So it's, it's the first fiction book I've read in a really long time. So I'm kind of into it. So, yeah. So the 5am club, uh, by Robin Sharma, I'm really enjoying it a lot and we will confirm the time and the date. And if, for any of the women on the phone tomorrow, and, and Greg, feel free to share, we're having our first annual Women Real Estate Summit, Investor Summit from 12 to five. I'm interviewing six of my friends who have invested in real estate. So one woman has invested in land. Another woman has 34 townhomes in Wichita, Kansas. Someone else uh, just bought her first shopping center last year. So it's real people like us. Um, and the whole theme of the day is if we can do it, so can you. And that's tomorrow from 12 to five. You can still register on my Instagram in the link. And I hope you guys enjoyed this. I love reading. As my shirt says, I am a bookaholic. bookaholic. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for being here. We'll see you next month. All awesome. right, good luck. good luck at the summit tomorrow. Thank you, Greg. Good luck getting landlords to call you back. I'll, I'll force them to. <laughs> All right. Thanks, thanks, Dana. Bye-bye, Thank guys. Thank you. Bye-bye.